Purple, get ready to roll indeed. This is the College and Kimball Podcast. I am Jeff Burkhardt, joined by my man, Justin Nutter, getting set to preview arguably one of the biggest home games in Manhattan that we've had probably going back for at least a decade here, thinking about the 2014 Auburn game, thinking about the 2012 Texas game, the night K-State clinched the Big 12 championship. The stakes are going to be extremely high at Bill Snyder Family Stadium This coming Saturday as the Wildcats will play host to the 24th ranked Texas Longhorns. Very much looking forward to breaking this one down for you guys before we jump into it. Quick call to action to our listeners here. Follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. It's college underscore Kimball. And subscribe to our podcast on whatever your preferred app is. We're on all the major platforms, Apple, Spotify, and so forth. You shouldn't have any issue finding us. So with all that being said, Nutter, whoo, man, I am still just blown away by what I saw from this team last Saturday and them just going out and molly whopping <laughs> Oklahoma State to the tune of 48 to nothing. Uh, I guess just uh, at a high level, what what surprised you most in that game? Obviously, you have Oklahoma State's high-flying offense getting shut down. You have Will Howard doing what he did. There's a lot of things to choose from here, but what stood out most to you in that effort against the Cowboys? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was actually out of town for a wedding and didn't think I was going to be able to catch any of that one um, and was able to catch most of the first half before we had to get on the road. And I remember saying it when we filmed last week that, you know, something I was really worried about was early on coming out and having a drive stall about the 20 or 30 yard line and being like, crap, what are we going to do? Literal first drive of the game. We stall somewhere around the spoke it into existence. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And so my first thought was, Oh my God, it's like nightmares coming true. Right. And then I think we had a fourth and five, then a false start backed it up the fourth and 10. And then to that point, Howard throws probably the best pass of his career and, you know, hits Warner right in stride, right in the hands and kind of off to the races from there. Um, can't say enough about the game Will Howard played in the first half. Something that I don't know that I've heard talked about a lot. You know, I know one thing, regardless of who's been taking snaps, K-State's really struggled with is converting on third down. I think it's worth pointing out that I believe all four of Will Howard's touchdown passes came on either third or fourth down. So not only is he, you know, like improving, you know, his pocket presence is improving. Um, He's, you know, held on to the ball. His confidence is clearly sky high, but he's converting when it matters most. So, you know, I don't think you can say enough about that. Obviously, there were some question marks about, you know, can the defense contain that explosive of an Oklahoma State offense, especially with guys like Daniel Green and Daniel Green on the shelf for the whole day and Khalid Duke on the shelf for, you know, half the game. And apparently stats don't mean anything because they went out and absolutely shut those guys down from start to finish. I mean, by the time Duke got back in the game, it was pretty well done for anyway. So you can't say enough about how well, you know, K-State played on both sides of the ball and in special teams for that matter. You know, uh, Phillip Brooks had a had a hell of a punt return. You know, it's been a while since we've broken one loose in the return game. Um, had a pretty uh, error-free day in the kicking game as well. You know, I know Zentner was only challenged uh, with a couple of kicks inside of 30, but he put he put both of them, you know, right down the boulevard. So, I mean, I don't know that you you would really have to dig deep to uh, to find anything to complain about about this one overall. I was struggling to go through that game and find things to nitpick. And, and honestly, it was it was probably Will Howard's performance that he missed a couple of guys. There was a play I remember in particular, Malik Knowles running a, a, a drag across the field, uh, and, and Will just didn't really see him down the field. But there were a couple of throws here and there. Uh, but honestly, again, you, you'd be – you would have to be a miserable human being to come away feeling anything other than just elated with, yeah, with yeah, that. If you're, if you're if you're nitpicking this one, that's a you problem. Yeah. I mean, there were things early that I think could have snowballed had you know Howard not shown the composure he did. I think about the the wide open drop by Will Swanson on that first drive yes. that could have stalled. You know, things like that where it's like early in the season that probably kills the drive. But you know, nope. I mean, we were we were humming. Uh, you know, Howard was pretty well banging on all cylinders, and I mean you could probably make a case that that's the best, the most well-played K-State football game, not coached by Bill Snyder ever. I think that's a pretty compelling argument. And it was, it was funny to hear. I'm sure you and our listeners have all heard the clip of Mike Gundy this week and the, the, 
midfield exchange after the game, Kleiman saying he couldn't have played a, or that the team couldn't have played a better game than it did. And then Gundy said that, well, you picked a shitty day to do it. Yeah. Um, and I, I know people are not ambivalent about Mike Gundy, but I, I don't know. I, he's, he's always been the kind of character and personality in this conference that'll always make me laugh. And the fact that you can go out and just get rolled the way that he did, and he's able to drop a line like that. We'll see, you know, Oklahoma state, Interesting that their line against Kansas has come all the way down now to a pick. I, I'm guessing that there's probably a lot more injuries happening there. A lot of people to that point trying to to short sell the Wildcats with this performance. But again, it was it was a dominant wire to wire effort by by Kansas State. Again, could not have asked for a better outing from Will Howard, a very much deserved performance from him. And it'll be interesting to see. There's a lot of questions going into this Texas game regarding this Kansas State offense, also some things outstanding on the defensive side as well. And with all that being said, I think it's good to go ahead and put a bow on this one and formally turn the page now to the upcoming matchup against the Texas Longhorns. They are coming off of a bye week. Prior to that, they had dropped a 41 to 34 decision to the aforementioned Oklahoma State Cowboys. And that was a game in which Texas, like it has throughout the course of this season, was leading and led going into the fourth quarter and ended up spitting the bid and letting Oklahoma State come back and reel off 17 in a row to close out that game and get out of there with a 41 to 34 win. So that loss dropped Texas to five and three, three and two in conference games. And before we get too deep into the Longhorns, just a, a question to you about where you feel this Texas team is. I, I think that had the Longhorns and, and truthfully, Iowa state had the horns several times in that game, a, a couple weeks prior to Oklahoma state. And they let that one get away. And frankly, I, I think if, if Texas was coming into this one at four and four overall and three conference losses, I think we'd be looking at a much different Texas team. But I think the fact that the carrot of making the Big 12 championship is still out there and if they're able to give K-State its second loss of the of the conference season, I should say, I think you'll, you'll get a motivated Texas team. I know a lot of people like to downplay, but I think the Horns will be live for this one. No, definitely. Um, You know, and I've wondered, Texas has kind of been an interesting case in that I really wonder how the trajectory of their season changes if they're able to seal the deal against Bama, you know, way back in week two or whatever that was when they had Bama on the ropes. You know, there were a couple of interesting, not typically one to complain about officiating, but, you know, there's a couple of interesting no calls or a couple interesting calls that, you know, maybe aren't called if it's not that particular situation in that one, but maybe help Bama escape that one with a win. But then, you know, Texas has already had its, you know, then they've already gone out and laid that egg against Texas Tech. You know, like you mentioned, it it really took four quarters to dispose of a what's looking to be not very good Iowa State team. Um, couldn't hold the lead in Stillwater. So, I mean, obviously you got to think that every Texas loss is a little bit more amplified than someone else because they just always seem to get benefit of the doubt when they never seem to do anything to deserve it. Right. But yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. If they're coming in, you know, sputtering at four and four and like, it's just looking like bull eligibility is the goal for them. I don't think, I don't know how much fire they're going to play with, but you know, the fact that this one's under the lights, like you said, they're still very much in the thick of a wide open big 12 race. I don't think we can really understate how important it is that K-State is in sole possession of second place heading into this one, but that could change in a hurry. K-State's going to have to come out, you know, ready to ready to roll and dial in as well, because you're absolutely right. Texas is going to be very motivated to get this one, and they certainly have the athletes to catch you sleeping. So, I mean, there's you can't afford a slow start in this one for sure. The Horns have taken the last five in the series against Kansas State. This doesn't feel a, like it, does it? No. I mean, yeah. And, and and probably because of how old we are, the the – period in which we attended K-State was the time it was obviously the the era to be a Wildcat student as far as owning Texas because our freshman year was the 2006 the big upset after Colt McCoy got knocked out and then in 2007 the Wildcats go down to Austin and beat down UT by 20 points in their own backyard and that those were two in a string of five consecutive wins uh, by the Wildcats and then, like I said, it, you had a little bit of back and forth after K-State won that game in 2012. And then it was home team win, home team win. And now Texas having taken the last two here in Manhattan, which really sticks in the craw of every K-State fan out there. They've now stretched this 
lead out in the series to 12 games to 10. But I, I will say the Wildcats do overall have a 7-3 to three edge in the games played in Manhattan. Steve Sarkeesian is the coach of the Texas Longhorns, obviously picked up a win in last year's meeting. 22-17 to 17 was the final score of that game. And it, it's crazy to think about, too. Uh, again, here, here yet again, we have that talking point of Will Howard going into a game against an opponent looking like he's going to be the starter he had started two games previously going into the Oklahoma State game, obviously got the nod last Saturday against the Pokes and here against Texas. We didn't know whether or not Skyler would be able to go last year. Ultimately, Skyler can't start that game for Kansas State and it's Will Howard leading out the Wildcats in that one. And unfortunately, K-State came up on the short end in that game. Uh, some some questionable play calling, a lot of things to point at, some poor decision-making, and K-State really not taking any sort of chances in that ball game, particularly in the passing game. Uh, this Wildcat offense, though, looks completely different, uh, the absolute inverse of what we saw uh, as far as the performance in Austin last year. And we'll, we'll dive into what K-State offense we expect to see this coming Saturday. But first, let's look at this game, at least from, uh, from the perspective of the Texas offense going up against the Kansas State defense. This Texas offense coordinated by Kyle Flood, but make no mistake about it, Steve Sarkeesian is your guy calling the plays. He is the one running the show for UT. Now, by the numbers here, looking at the advanced metrics, points per drive, Texas pretty solid. 3.01, that is 17th nationally. They also have pretty good balance, and, and you, you wouldn't necessarily expect that with the the big names at running back that they have with Bijan and Roshan Johnson, but Texas runs the ball just under 48% of the time. So about 50, a little bit more than 52% on the passing front success rate. This is where UT is really does stand out from a, uh, a lot of the teams in the rest of the big 12 16th nationally in success rate, 49.3%, 49% on run plays, almost 50% on pass plays. But on the flip side, this is really where, you have to ask what teams has Oklahoma faced? Well, they faced Oklahoma, or excuse me, what teams has Texas faced? Well, they faced Oklahoma with a backup quarterback in a game that the Sooners were nowhere equipped to really compete in. And you have Quinn Ewers lead seven, you know, seven touchdown drives in that one. So you have that result against the Oklahoma defense, which again is proving to be one of the worst defenses in the conference. West Virginia, the worst defense in the conference by a number of the advanced metrics. And then you also have, think about Texas Tech, not really necessarily known for its defensive prowess. And then most recently, Oklahoma State, which is continuing to crater really on that side of the ball. So all these numbers that Texas has put up, you do have to really calibrate and account for the, the caliber of uh, opponent there. And truth be told, honestly, Texas putting up 24 points against, or excuse me, against Iowa State might be one of the more impressive feats of the season. But those are the numbers on Texas as far as the advanced metrics go. And Nutter, looking at some of the players to watch here, there's a nice dichotomy here with the experience in the backfield, but everybody really looks to Quinn Ewers, the all-everything freshman who is running the show at quarterback. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, he, you know, he goes out early against uh, against Bama way back when. And, you know, I think that's that's kind of when everybody was like, well, this is this one's about to be off to the races. And then, you know, that ended up not being the case whatsoever. But, I mean, he's 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 obviously looked pretty solid for the most part. Um, you can definitely tell he's kind of gotten his footing and, you know, maybe gotten a little more comfortable in that offense. That said, he's only thrown five picks this season, but three of them did come in their last game. So, you know, it seems that he seems as though he's a guy that if you can get in his head and get him rattled, something the K-State defense has been known to do a time or two this season, you know, he is susceptible to the turnover and susceptible to those costly mistakes. So, um, I mean, for the most part, I think he, he's, he's lived up to as much hype as a freshman transfer could really make. Um, you know, I definitely think uh, he, he, he spread the ball around. He's, he's, uh, you know, he's put it in the end zone 11 times already this season. He's definitely, and like you said, you know, it's, it's complemented by one of the better rushing attacks in the country, certainly in the conference. Um, so, you know, he's definitely a kid you got to be ready for, but he's also a kid that, you know, it, it's, it's easy to expose that he's a freshman. If you can, if you can get in the backfield and, you know, like if, if you can get him rattled early, I think you, you can, you can, you can cause some of those mistakes. 
you mentioned at 11 touchdowns to five interceptions. Uh, he's averaging just under 230 yards passing per game, and he's only hitting on about 57% of his throws as well, which in today's age in college football, that's that's a lower number than I think, and I'm, I'm sure uh, Coach Sarkeesian probably has a, a, a higher clip that he'd like to be seeing his co- uh, quarterback completing at, but to your point about him being young, you will need to keep in mind, K-State fans, this is just going to be his sixth overall start wearing the burnt orange and just his second road start. And, and Nutter, you mentioned it, throwing three interceptions against Oklahoma State. He also threw a total of 30 incompletions in that ball game. He was 19 of 49 with the aforementioned three picks as well. Now, there was some buzz that's at least in some things that I've heard here in recent weeks about him dealing with a possible hand or a finger injury in that game, which do with that information what you will. I heard that on the Cover 3 podcast. Some of the national shows were talking about it. But at the end of the day, uh, this is still a, a younger kid who has not really proven a whole lot in the eyes, at least in the eyes of most objective observers. Yes, the, uh, the 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 nice start that he had against Alabama looked good, but then going out in that game, he didn't get a chance to finish there. And he really hasn't, ch- hasn't gotten Texas over the hump in any game of note to this point in his career. And now he's getting set to go up against arguably the best defense in the Big 12, uh, at least by a number of the different advanced metrics out there. K-State tops in the conference in points per drive, 1.63. That's 20th nationally. Success rate, the Wildcats are 36.8% there, 20th nationally on that metric as well. And then run and pass uh, efficiency defense, K-State's in the top 35 in both of those metrics as well. So this is certainly going to be the strongest test that he has faced, at least in terms of the defense. And again, K-State's back end is really what makes this unit go in my mind. I know everybody likes to point to Felix. And also you can look at Khalid Duke and Daniel Green. There's guys at every level of this defense. But honestly, just with how solid Echo and Brents are on the back end, how sticky they can play when, uh, as far as coverage goes, and then you know the revelation that has been Josh Hayes. I mean, if you're if you're asking an objective person to pick a weak link in the secondary, you're maybe looking to Drake Cheatham or Sincere Mason, depending on how, what package K State's rolling out there. But there aren't a whole lot of truly vulnerable spots on that back end for this K-State defense. So I feel, at least as far as the fan going into this game, what Quinn Ewers is going to be asked to do throwing into this secondary, that's going to be a pretty tall order. And I feel very good about the Wildcats' chances in being able to, to limit and slow down this passing attack. Now, as far as the running game goes, that's the big question here, because quite frankly, Kansas State has not faced a, a, any kind of running attack close to what Texas will be presenting here this coming Saturday. Bijan Robinson, the all-everything running back, he's a junior, six foot two twenty-two. He is going to be a first-day NFL draft selection, no doubt about it. Right now, just shy of a thousand yards on the season, nine hundred twenty, averaging five point seven per carry with eleven touchdowns. For his career, he's played in twenty-seven games and he has averaged just over one hundred and uh, excuse me, just under one hundred two yards rushing per contest, with an average of six point two per carry. So, this guy is consistent. He is reliable. Not necessarily the the big time home run hitter per se, but certainly a guy that is versatile enough. He, he's also got a number of catches this season. He's a guy who can come out of the backfield and hurt you receiving the ball. He's going to hurt you between the tackles. That's going to be a big question this coming Saturday. How does K-State's defensive line and it's, and really it's, it's front six, if you will, hold up against this type of rushing attack. That's a very interesting proposition. And, and also to, to, to complement that nutter, I have to mention Roshan Johnson, another Experienced running back, 6'2", 223, a senior. Only has 61 carries this season, but averages six yards per carry and has just gone over 2,000 rushing yards in his career. That's Nutter, a hell of a stat line for a backup. We'll I was going to say, for a yeah. guy who's really been playing behind him for, you know, obviously Bijan's been there a number of years now, and it's it's a very impressive stat for Roshan. And I, I got to ask you, as far as the matchup, as I was saying, K-State's defense slowing down this Texas rushing attack. I think the big question on everybody's mind is Daniel Green's availability. Uh, really, as far as all the other personnel goes, there were some questions going into that Texas game, but we saw the Wildcats put all the frontline guys out there with the exception of Green. 
But I think this is a game that you would certainly like to have him present for. Indications are he's still going to be a game-time decision. So I guess to that point, Nutter, how do you feel about the K-State defense if it's going to be another week where Green is on the shelf? You know, it uh, it's certainly reason to make you nervous, right? I mean, you kind of you kind of hit the nail on the head that K-State has really not faced this kind of animal at running back so far this season. You know, and that's something the Big 12, I think, as a whole has kind of been lacking. You know, you think about some of the, mo- in the most recent years, you know, there were a handful of, like, really elite feature backs, you know, guys like Deuce Vaughn and B. John Robinson, who are obviously, you know, kind of leading the charge across the conference this year. But then, you know, you had guys like Letty Brown at West Virginia, or there was, and now I'm going to blank on both of their names, the the two-headed monster they had back there at Baylor last year, where they were just kind of able to ram it down everybody's throats. You know, you just, you saw, you felt like you saw that weekend and week out last year in the conference, and you just really haven't this year. You know, obviously Miller at TCU's had a hell of a season, and K-State saw a pretty good one in Eric Gray at Oklahoma, but, um, you know, I don't think any of those guys compare to what K-State's going to see this weekend, and yeah, I would feel considerably better with the uh, with, you know, Daniel Green's speed and tackling out there if he really can't go this week. But, uh, you know, it's a game where fundamentals are going to be really, really important. This is a hard guy to bring down. Um, you know, I know it's it's a lot of teams deal with it, you know, with Deuce, you know, it, to a lesser extent, I guess, because Deuce is more of a make you miss guy, whereas I think Bijan's more of a I'm going to run you over guy. Um, so it's just something that you're going to have to get him down on the first try or he's, you know, they're, they're going to chunk play you to death. So, um you know, it's definitely something to be concerned about. And I'm curious, you know, he's a guy that they had their tech, their, their season was basically shot by the end of the year last year. So they had actually shut Bijan down before they played us. So I'm curious, I mean, how much of a difference does that make that, you know, majority of the guys on the K-State defense have not actually lined up on the other side of the ball, this guy, does that make a ton of difference? It's a, it's a great question. And the fact that this defense is really, been up to the task of slowing down or attempting to slow down any running game it's gone up against. Eric Gray, obviously, he had a decent enough outing when K-State squared off against Oklahoma. Uh, and I think about the TCU game as well, what the Horn Frogs were able to do. Granted, yes, they went over 200 yards, but they needed 58 carries to do it, and they averaged less than four yards a pop in that game. Uh, and, and frankly, I, I, I think the TCU offense, the way that it runs, the pace at which it runs – is going to be maybe not a like for like here, but I think Di Mercado's got a little bit more of a twitch to him than Bijan does. So this is going to be a different type of task for this K-State uh, def- rushing defense. And it's still a very formidable unit. The Wildcats are, are fifth in the Big 12, but they're only allowing 133 rushing yards per game and 3.8 per carry. So it's not as this if this, this defense has been any kind of slouch uh, at slowing down the run. But like I, I think that, that parallel you brought up of Baylor last year, very, very reminiscent, I think, in terms of the tandem. We'll see this Saturday with Roshan and Bijan carrying the ball for this Texas offense. Um, I'm, I'm like you. I'm trying to – I know Abram Smith is one of the names and uh, Tristan Ebner. There we go. There we I go. never would have thought of it. We'd have been here a little bit. <laughs> oh, man, I'm, I'm surprised that my brain works at this stage in the week. But uh, uh, a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again, as they say. Uh, so that's the, t- the book on this Texas offense as far as running the ball goes. Passing, we talked about Quinn Ewers. His favorite target is obviously Xavier Worthy, the six-foot, only 164-pound sophomore, but he is tops in the Big 12 in receiving touchdowns with seven, fifth in receiving yards with 510. He doesn't have a ton of receptions. He only averages four and a half catches per game, but better than 42 yards per catch. So he's a guy who can certainly do some damage after the ball gets into his hands. And you also mentioned it as well. Ewers does a reasonably good job of spreading it around. Bijan and Roshan have a combined 31 catches coming out of that backfield for Texas. Jordan Whittington, the tight end, has 404 yards, uh, almost 14 yards per reception for him. And then Jatavion Sanders, 34 catches for 396 and five touchdowns for him. So those are your weapons to keep an eye on for this Texas offense. We talked about containing this run game obviously going to be a focal point on the flip side of it for Kansas state Xavier worthy. And again, I I, I'm trying to find the closest parallel in terms of a team that K state has faced this year. And I really do think it's TCU. This is very, in terms of how effective the horn frogs are running the ball, but also how much they can hurt you over the top. 
I feel like containing Xavier Worthy is going to be a pretty tall order, but do, do you feel that this is any different than the proposition K-State faced in that game where I felt like they did a pretty good job of shutting down Quentin Johnston? No, I mean, I think that, like you mentioned, you know, we have probably, if you're talking in terms of like one-two punch, we probably have the best cornerback tandem in the conference at this point. I think their play has absolutely backed that up. So, I mean, you know, obviously you can't take plays off against the, with against a receiving core like this. They just have too good of athletes for that. But uh, no, I don't think it's anything that Brenton Boydo can't handle. And really the final question, at least on my mind, in terms of what to watch for in this game is – how do you make Quinn Ewers beat you? Because I think that's obviously the recipe for success if you're if you're the Wildcats and uh, defensive coordinator Joe Klanderman. If you can get this Texas offense off schedule and they aren't particularly good on third down either, uh, I think that's going to go a long way in helping the Wildcats uh, get over the top and win this game. Because uh, again. I've said it, and you, you've reiterated the point as well. The, this secondary has been so solid for K-State this season, knock on wood. And, and I, I still feel Ewers, again, has a pretty far way, a long way to go, I should say, in his development. He, he certainly has a live arm. He's a talented arm. But in the same breath, there is no substitute for experience. And I think that's a good, as good a segue as any here into the matchup. As far as when you're talking about quarterbacks going against one another, it's not often that Will Howard is going to have the edge in this experience department, but he will this Saturday as we look at the Wildcats offense going up against the Texas defense. Uh, Nutter, I, I got to say, I'll, I'll credit Will Howard. We were talking about it before we started recording here. Uh, will Howard has on his career, officially 12 starts. Now I'm going to give him credit for the TCU game. So that bumps him up to 13. And then also the Texas Tech game in 2020, the one in which Skyler got injured fairly early on in the first quarter and Will ended up playing about 80% of the snaps in that game. I'll say Will Howard's got about 14 career starts in this ball game. Mm -hmm. So uh, looking at this matchup, the K-State offense going up against the Texas defense, uh, advanced numbers here, Texas points per uh, points per drive, excuse me, pretty solid, respectable number here, 1.75, 28th nationally, K-State 2.45, but that number continuing to climb with the way that the Wildcats have been performing here in recent weeks, be it not really for that albatross against Iowa State, this Wildcat offense has really been humming here in conference play. Uh, havoc rate, Texas pretty good in this number as well. 36, uh, excuse me, 36 nationally at 19.1%. K-State though on the flip side does a pretty good job at preventing any kind of negative plays. Only 11.7% allowed for the Wildcats. And again, it certainly doesn't hurt when you have a, a mobile quarterback like Will Howard and also Adrian Martinez, obviously guys who are very much capable of eluding pressure and, and avoiding sacks. Success rate here, Texas 38% on defense and that is 25th nationally, K-State again, just 42%. But again, we see that number continuing to climb here. Rushing success rate. This is on a, a big factor in my mind. Texas, 34% run success rate on defense. That's eighth nationally. K-State just 42.3% in that department. That's 83rd nationally. But in the same breath, uh, when I talk about this offense and, and what I've been imploring to this group and what I've been wanting to see is, we need some consistency. We, we, we need to see this group stay ahead of the chains. Honestly, we're, we're eight games into the year. I, I, I'm just going to accept this group is what it is, and it's going to hit explosives. It's done it in every single game this season in the run game, and K-State second nationally in explosive run plays, Texas 90th nationally in explosive run plays allowed. That's going to be another big factor to keep an eye on here as well. And Kansas State, as far as passing explosiveness, I, I talked about all these numbers that we've seen ascending for the Wildcats offense. Passing explosiveness, K-State was 131st last nationally going into the Iowa State game. With all these home run plays that the Wildcats have been hitting uh, with the aerial attack here in recent weeks, K-State's now jumped almost four, uh, over 40 spots here, I should say, up to 88. So that gives you a little bit of a picture as far as the offense goes. 
And I think that raises the question, though, going into this week, we as we record this on a Thursday afternoon, having just seen some of the tweets coming out about the offensive and defensive coordinators, obviously meeting with the media this week, uh, Colin Klein said Adrian Martinez was a participant in practice. And that raises a question, though, who do you roll with at this point as far as the quarterback position goes? You know, when I look at their defensive numbers holistically, it's more of the same, I think. Maybe not quite as drastically different, but or it maybe not quite as drastic. Like, the difference isn't quite as wide as it was against Oklahoma State, but Texas is considerably better defensively against the run than they are against the pass. They are 33rd in the country at 121.6 rushing yards per game, but 92nd in the country with just shy of 250, 249.2 passing yards per game. I think Howard's skill set puts you in better position to win this one. I think Howard looked as good last week as he has at any point in his career, probably the best passing performance we've seen since Jake Waters was here. Um, I don't, in in my mind, I don't think there's any question you have to go with Howard here. I mean, it's good to know that, you know, if Martinez is, is game ready and ready to go, that he's there. If Howard starts to struggle or God forbid, if something were to happen and he gets hurt, but I, just, I think you got to go with the hot hand here. I think, like I said, I think the, the game that Howard plays just puts you in a much better position to win this one. If Texas was more susceptible on the ground, I, I, I'm i very much in lockstep with you here. I, I would understand giving Martinez the green lights to see what he can do. But I think just with this element, this transformation that we've seen from this group here, being able to actually stretch the field vertically in, in recent weeks, it's not to condemn Martinez for what he was doing. um, But I I think there was still some reluctance on his part to really try and push the ball down the field and take chances down the field. And and Will Howard is playing so free and loose right now. And he he's playing with so much confidence. You can, you can clearly see it just in the way that he's been executing this offense. I, and also you have to keep in mind as well that Will Howard's been here long, a lot longer than Adrian has. I, I, as weird as it sounds, and I, I can't even believe that I'm saying this. If you, if you told me going into August that, hey, first week in November, you're really going to want Will Howard to get the green light at quarterback. <laughs> I, I would have said you are a lunatic and you are nuts. And, and yet here we are. And all the credit in the world to Will Howard for what he's done here and being named also Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week was on uh, Manning Star Award uh, watch list this week as well. He's 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 taken such a considerable step forward. And I think Colin Klein, again, as I've said in so many of these shows that we've done, there's clearly a level of trust and confidence with what Howard's skill set is and what it allows him to do. I think he's the guy. I, 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 I'll say this. I would be surprised if Adrian is under center on that first play. And it's crazy to think about him now being available as more of a potentially a red zone type of threat. If K-State's struggling in that department when the windows are getting a little tight and you want to see what he can maybe do carrying the ball, that option sounds like it's going to be available. And and frankly, just with thinking about Martinez's condition, uh, assuming, again, what we everybody seems to be contending here is that that injury occurred in the Iowa state game. And with the bye week the week leading into TCU, the week leading into Oklahoma state and another week here, I, again, I'm no doctor here, but I think Martinez now having pretty much a a month to uh, of limited to no contact in practice. I'm guessing physically, he's probably going to be about as good as he's going to be here for this home stretch of the season. So I I certainly think if if the opportunity presents itself to put him into the game for some, if it's design quarterback run or, or whatever, throw some, some interesting looks out at the goal line, maybe roll those dice. But um, I think Will Howard's your guy. He's going to be the guy to to get the lion's share of the snaps this week. and, And I don't feel is again, as weird as it sounds, I don't feel nervous or, or, or in any way anxious about that. I think he's certainly deserved the opportunity and I'm anxious to see what he, I I guess I should say, I'm anxious to see what he's going to be able to do against this Texas defense. Now, uh, another thing I touched on a little bit earlier, as far as the battle uh, in this game, one of the storylines really, uh, as far as off season, we were talking about 
preseason accolades and everything, Bijan Robinson, Deuce Vaughn, 1A, 1B in terms of running back. Do you think that maybe provides a little bit extra incentive for the offensive line this week to come out and maybe try to prove it, especially against a team, a program and a team like Texas that you haven't beaten now in five years? I mean, yeah, typically, you know, especially, you know, with Texas coming on, on their way out the door in the Big 12, um, I don't think you really need a lot of extra motivation to go out and get it done. But yeah, you know, I think this, it, yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting footnote, right? Like it's it's almost a race to a thousand yards here, right? You got Bijan at 920, you got Deuce at 902. You got to think they both have a pretty good chance to eclipse the 1000 yard mark. But I mean, that would definitely be just, you know, another feather in the cap. If Deuce can come out of this at a thousand yards and Bijan is still short of that mark, you know, that would definitely be Definitely be, you know, some pretty cool bragging rights, if nothing else, than like I said, another cool footnote. Helps probably helps too that you know, you know, the can't the, the the K-State kids from Texas definitely get up for this one. And, you know, guys like Deuce fall into that category. So I think that's probably in the back of their minds as well. No doubt. And Deuce had a great game against the Longhorns last year. And again, I've, I've I, I very I, I can see the imprint of it in my mind of Will Howard running the speed option to the short side and Deuce Vaughn having a wide open alley to pitch. If, if Will makes that pitch instead of trying to keep it. But again, this, this is a guy, Will Howard, who has come so far from, from that point against Texas, where if memory serves, he was just nine of 13 passing the ball less than a hundred yards. Again, the offense was just so stagnant through the air against the horns last year. So you wonder also if that's maybe a little bit of a motivating factor for, for Will as well, going into this game, granted he's thrown for, for North of 200 in these last two contests against TCU and Oklahoma state and just shy of 300 against the pokes. I I wonder if he also comes out with a little bit of fire. I, 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 I guess the, the question there in my mind, I, I, and I don't really worry about this with him with as much praise as the staff heaps on him. Do, do you worry at all about what he did last week, potentially going to his head? I don't think that's a, I think that's a non-starter this week. Honestly, until you asked me just now, that thought never entered my mind. That's I, I would be very, very shocked if, if, you know, ego or anything like that became an issue with them. That would, I would not expect that whatsoever. Very quickly here, as far as the specials go in this game, uh, Burt Auburn, that's a hell of a name, 13 for 18 on field goal tries this season, uh, four for six from uh, the 30 to 39 distance and six of eight from the 40 to 49. College kicker, college kicker, not not totally insanely reliable, but pretty pretty respectable in the, in the grand scheme of things on the flip side for Kansas state. Well, let's talk about the big 12 special teams player of the week. Ty Zetner, just a uh, high level. How'd you feel about what you saw out of him last Saturday against Oklahoma state? Yeah. You know, he wasn't five for five on PATs or no, I'm a, was it five? He, he hit all six. of his PATs six. six of six. Sorry. I can't math. Um, I was a journalism major kids. Um, I, uh, so yeah, you know, he had all of his PATs, like I said, really wasn't challenged. Both of his field goal tries were inside of 30, but they were both right down the pipe, you know, I mean, pretty well, you know, uh, split the crossbar right down the middle. So, I mean, that's kind of what you would hope to see. So, um, you know, it, uh, the only thing, the only thing kind of still up in the air is, you know, we don't know what kind of, uh, what kind of distance we can trust him from, so, you know, hopefully we don't put ourselves in those situations where we're kind of stuck in that, you know, like 45 to 50 no man's land where it's like, you have to think about going for it when normally you wouldn't, but uh, no, I, it's really hard to complain about anything Zentner did on Saturday. Uh, there was a reason why he was named the big 12 special teams player of the week. Also had a couple of punts down inside the 20 yard line. He's been, as accountable in that department as you could have possibly asked. He's one of the better punters in the country of no, no real concerns uh, with him going into this game. And, and as far as specials, you also touched on it as well. Phillip Brooks popping off a return uh, nation's leader in punt returns uh, in terms of yards. Now, granted, he's only gotten his hands on four this season, but uh, when he does get a chance to field one, he can be dangerous with it. So that'll be interesting to see how the horns elect to play that in terms of kicking to Philip Brooks. So let's go ahead and dive into predictions now. Uh, real quick here, as far as the gambling side in this game, I did want to mention that Texas, surprisingly, the two and a half point favorite this game opened up at a pick on Circa Sports, at least when I checked it on Sunday. Uh, and then it swung to Texas now almost uh, laying a field goal on the road. 
uh, total in this game, 54 and a half points. Uh, a couple of other notes as far as the uh, the gambling side goes. The Horns are 0-4-1 in their last five uh, against the number in their last five games after they have allowed 40 or more points in the previous game. And Texas is one and five versus AP top 25 teams under Sark. Their only win was a non-conference victory over Louisiana Lafayette in game number one of the Sarkeesian era. So Jeff, I want to add one stat to that too. I believe in one plus seasons uh, under Sark, they are one and six in true road games as well. So that's probably worth keeping an eye on there as well. Absolutely. And, and, and again, I think the the inexperience of viewers certainly bodes well. And, and again, this this defense, while say what you will about Oklahoma State, whether or not they packed it in, I, I still come away week after week being impressed with what this unit does. It, it, and again, all these offenses in the Big 12 are formidable in so many different ways, maybe with the exception of Iowa State. But even then, Hunter Deckers and Xavier Hutchins, uh, yeah, Xavier Hutchinson, excuse me, are still one of the better one-two punches in this conference. So you have a threat really to account for every single week in this league. And and, and K-State, to that point, has has been the cream of the crop here. And I think that that the defense, when we look at how this game ultimately plays out on Saturday, I imagine that it will again have its imprint on this contest and also take into account as well. The Wildcats have forced turnovers in each of their conference home games here for each in the games against Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. So when opponents have been coming into Manhattan, the Wildcats have been a little bit more willing to take some chances and coverage and roll those and roll the dice. This is really not what Klanderman likes to do, uh, but at home, I think knowing that the crowd's going to be behind them, I think they're a little bit more willing to to put put some of those guys out there on island and see if they can go and make a play on a ball. And to that point, again, Brent's Echo, Daniel Green, whoever it's been, Kobe Savage, they've all been making plays and all been forced in turnovers. I think that's, again, going to be another item to keep an eye on this coming Saturday, whether or not Texas can uh, maintain possession of the ball and take care of the ball for all four quarters against the best defense in the Big 12. So let's go ahead and start to wind this one down here. Picks to pop, offense and defense, one player each. Netter, go ahead and lead us off. Yeah, you know, I mentioned, uh, you know, guys from Texas, I think really tend to get up for not necessarily maybe every team against Texas, but against the flagship university, right? Sure. Like, again, like I said, especially knowing that chances to play these guys in the Big 12 are becoming pretty limited here with them on their way out the door. And something that's, you know, again, kind of an interesting stat is in our last three games, Malik Knowles has been within a foot of the end zone. Um, it's oh, happened. robbed. Yeah, it's, it's happened to him three games in a row now. You, you go back to Ames. He had the one that was punched out as he was crossing the goal line. Um, he had a touchdown. It was originally called a touchdown uh, in Fort Worth that was then uh, overruled. They said his knee was down at about the half-yard line. And then last week, probably the most impressive of the three, he gets stood up at about the four, uh, continues to drive forward, and the offensive line got there maybe just a hair too late to push that pile over the goal line. But, you know, um, it would he, obviously he's had success against Texas in the past, and it would be great to see him, you know, kind of get over that hump and, and, and get into the end zone. And then uh, on defense, um, I'm going to go with a guy that we don't talk about a lot, but he's put up a, you know, a pretty respectable season um, in Eli Huggins, you know, knowing we've got some, uh, some uncertainty at linebacker with Daniel Green being out and knowing that we haven't really faced this potent of a rushing attack yet, to, yet this season. You know, for a guy like Huggins to get in there and command double teams and, you know, really kind of plug up the middle of the field there, um, you know, I think it's going to open up a lot of extra possibilities in terms of you want to bring another guy up. You know, it's going to essentially free up another defender, which uh, getting home and, like I said, getting Bijan on the ground has proven difficult for a lot of teams this season. So I think, you know, winning that battle up front is going to be pretty key. So I'm going to go with Huggins for my defensive pick. Huggy Bear might be one of the, if not the most underappreciated guy on this defense, and he's just a monster there at 6'5 and, and right around 300 and tough to block. And, and again, the, the other thing I taught, I, I heap so much praise on the secondary because I've, I always come away so impressed with how they defend these big 12 offenses. But honestly, the defensive line can come at you in waves. And that's one of those things where you, you're so grateful for guys, again, like, 
Jalen Pickle, hence is coming in, uh, coming on here as of late. Nate Mack, excuse me, Nate Matlack is getting healthy. Brandon Mott, uh, we see him recover a fumble last week against Oklahoma State, and, and he's racked up a couple of sacks as well here in, in conference play. And and also guys like again, I got to shout out some of the linebackers. We saw Jake Clifton start to get in and and play a pretty significant number of snaps against. Uh, Oklahoma State and Crew Jackson as well. Now getting that game was pretty well out of hand when some of the younger guys were getting reps. But uh, it, it, yeah, you definitely got the warm and fuzzies after that game. And, and and again, Huggy Bear was certainly a part of that defensive effort that just shut down the Cowboys. As far as my picks to pop here in this contest, I'm going to go with the the easy one here. And again, this kind of is a part of that talking point that battle that I talked about a little bit earlier of the battle of the running backs Deuce Vaughn and Bijan Robinson I I think this offensive line is going to come out particularly motivated in this game and I think the the carrot of trying to prove that Deuce is the best back in the conference and to be able to do it in a showcase game a prime time slot uh, at night under the lights in your own stadium against Texas uh, who's going to be rolling out the other running back in this bat. Like, uh, again, I, I think that's going to be one of the fun things to watch in this game. I expect the offensive line to come out really motivated. And I expect number 22 to, to go off in this one. Just again, also, I touched on that fact that Texas is susceptible and has allowed a number of explosives in the running game. And Deuce Vaughn has hit home runs really in, in these last couple of weeks. And really, if you take out the, excuse me, the Iowa State game where they pretty much just sat on him the entirety of that contest. Deuce Vaughn is, has had a home run type play in every conference game this season. So I expect him to pop off one here against this Texas defense. Defensively, uh, again, I've talked about all the guys in the secondary and, and one in particular that I, I feel like is going to be poised for a breakout game here is Kobe Savage. He's He's been quiet here these last couple of weeks after really bursting onto the scene in those first couple of games against South Dakota and Mizzou. I'm expecting him to have a big game again, a kid at, uh, excuse me, a kid out of Tyler junior college in Texas. So I think that's again, going to be a little bit more of a motivating factor for him. And, and again, I, I like the fact to what you pointed out, Nutter, all these guys that hail from the state of Texas, when you get overlooked in recruiting coming out of be it high school, junior college, the transfer portal, wherever it may be. And you feel like, you can play ball at this level when you have a chance to go up against the flagship in the state and, and ball out, you got to take advantage. And, and, and again, the way that this defense has played, everybody's been very buttoned up. Heads have been screwed on. I don't expect this, this unit to lose focus or, or play erratically because they're trying to go out and prove a point. I think they're just going to go out and handle business. And I think that's as good a point as any to transition here into score predictions for the Saturday I'll save mine. I'll go after you, Nutter. So you are, uh, you have honors on the tee box here. Yeah. You know, before I make my prediction, I did want to call out just, we were talking about how well so many guys are playing on defense right now. One, one stat that I thought was pretty interesting that I want to call out here was K-State has now pitched two shutouts this season. And obviously, you know, like offense has kind of become the name of the game in college football. You know, that's, that's kind of the new era of college football we're in. And I really wanted to point out how rare that is. It has been 20 years since the K-State defense has last shut out two teams in one year. Um, that 2002 defense, which actually net led the nation in scoring defense, gave up less than 12 points a game. Um, they blanked uh, Louisiana Monroe and then KU in that kind of famous 64 to nothing win. And just out of curiosity, Jeff, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I didn't warn you about this. Um, I looked it up. Since the inception of the Big 12, K-State has five conference shutouts. I want to see how many of them need to name. Well, you gave me a freebie with KU uh, in 2002. That was 64 to nothing. Also yep. in 2002 was Mizzou, 38 to nothing. Uh, that God, even those badass teams like the 90, you know, the 97, 98, 99 teams, there were so many like 49 to sixes and 48 to seven type scores in that mix. Well, here, of- I'll give you another hint. There was only one in the 90s. got a pretty famous nickname that game does <laughs> oh man i am so mad i am totally drawing a blank here yeah knowing you specifically you're going to be really irritated when i tell you 
don't tell me. Give me a second. I want to All think right. about this. <laughs> um, so looking forward, uh, current Big 12. I'm trying to think here. Current Big 12 shutouts. Are you saying so? You, I'll tell you. That was, was two out of six. In yeah. It went, yeah. And I'll tell you, the one that you're, the one from the 90s is no longer a Big 12 team. I'll give you that. I'm going to come back. Pass. Come back okay. to that one. Okay. I'm. <laughs> So you got the, the one last week. So there's there's another one of your six. Well, it sure as hell wouldn't be in uh, 2004, 5, 6, 7, 8. None in there. No. 2009, none in there. 2010, certainly not, none in 2010. None in 2011, 2012. Getting warmer. <laughs> uh, 2014 Texas was 23 uh-huh. to nothing. Uh-huh. Kind of an unremarkable 23-point win. Run a, wasn't a whole lot about it. And, and that, that was dur- right in, the Royals were right in the thick of that playoff run and they played that night. Yeah. So I don't I don't recall how many like I was physically at that game, but mentally I don't know how invested I was in it. There was one in the Big 12 championship season in 2003. I'll tell you that. Oh man, how am I overlooking that one? Um, blanked Iowa State, forty-five to nothing. There you go. Um, you're down to the one. You're down to the one from the nineties. The one from the nineties. Oh God, you're gonna be so mad when you figure this out. I'm sure our rabid listeners are just screaming the answer. Again. <laughs> I know Colorado shut K State out in ninety-six, twelve to nothing. Yeah. Uh, no, not 98, uh, 16 to 9, 99, it was 20 to 14. I got to give up, man. I'm totally, I'm, I, I cannot think of it. You want me to tell you? Yes. Route 66. Oh, damn it. It was Missouri. I should yeah. have done that. <laughs> oh, God. A little trip down memory lane. Hopefully we get 66 to nothing this Saturday. I would certainly Holy take that. Holy crap. Can you imagine? No, yeah. So, I mean, I did, I just really, I really wanted to drive home that, you know, Conference shutouts are pretty rare. So for K-State to do that and to pitch a couple of shutouts in the same season, you know, I don't think that's something that should be overlooked. That's that's a pretty impressive feat, especially in this day and age of college football. So, yeah, hats off to the defense. And that said, I will go ahead and uh, throw my pick into the ring here. Um, I do not think K-State pitches a shutout this week, but I do think that they will do enough to keep to keep uh, Ewers on his heels. And, uh, you know, I think the offense is humming and, you know, they've – they've really kind of turned a corner. So I'm going to go ahead and go 30 to 24 K-State. I like where your head's at, Nutter, and I'm going to go a similar direction this week. First and foremost, I have to commend Colin Klein for unlocking this version of Will Howard. I don't think there's a K-State fan out there, if he or she is being honest, who ever thought we would get a Will Howard capable of throwing for nearly three bills and tying a school record with four touchdown passes against a top 10 team. Yet, that's just the performance we got out of Howard against Oklahoma State last Saturday. And if you're a fan who's worried about that potentially going to his head, I'd honestly just refer you back to what he said to the sideline reporter in the aftermath of that game. You've got students storming onto the field. The players are getting ready to hoist them up, hoist them up on their shoulders. And he's getting needled with this really broad question about, well, why did you stay at Kansas State knowing that Adrian Martinez was brought in to start ahead of you and, What does Will Howard say? How does he handle that question with all of this calamity going on around him? He says that he loves his team. He loves the university. And that's why he stuck it out. Amid all the criticism that he endured his freshman season, knowing that he took some heat last year when he had to come in and spot start against Oklahoma State when Skyler wasn't healthy. He stuck it out for those reasons, because of the love that he has for this program. So if you're 
really worried about him coming in a little too full of himself, I think you're stressing for no reason. I think Will Howard's the type of guy who's humble, who's grounded, who's going to look at his performance against Oklahoma State and say, okay, I helped our team win by virtue of my play this past Saturday. What can I do this week to get us one game closer to a berth in the Big 12 championship? And at a holistic level with this offense, we're just starting to see new wrinkles coming into the fold. We're just starting to see Malik Knowles really come into his own and become the player that we all wanted him to be, that we all knew that he could be. And Phillip Brooks and Cade Warner obviously making contributions in the passing game. And Deuce Vaughn is is Deuce Vaughn, a home run hitter at any moment. Frankly, this offense has become versatile and is going to present threats to this Texas defense that, frankly, I don't think Texas going into the season thought that it would have to account for. And yes, you do have two weeks of Will Howard running the show for this K-State offense, but in the same breath, you've only got two weeks of film on Will Howard. There's still so much out there for Colin Klein to throw out in terms of formations and play calling and everything in between. I, I have no doubt that they'll be able to find some holes in this Texas defense and exploit those this coming Saturday. And on the flip side for the Kansas State defense, I love the fact that national pundits were all too quick to run to the aid of Mike Gundy saying, oh, Spencer Sanders was banged up. They were down there starting running back. They had new guys on the offensive line. Every excuse in the book being offered up for Oklahoma State and why they performed so poorly against Kansas State. Nobody out there wanting to give K-State credit for what it did and sitting on an offense that, let's remember, averaged 44.7 points per game going into that contest. And K-State gave them nothing for four quarters. Absolutely nothing. I think that serves as a big motivator this week. And on top of all that, I think the fact that Vegas is giving K-State points on its home field is another sign of disrespect for this team. They've gone out and performed more than admirably here against some of the Big 12's best, and yet no one wants to believe in this group. The chip is still on the shoulder, guys. And as I look at it from the Texas perspective, I I, I can't not acknowledge the fact that Sarkeesian is starting to get Texas to turn a corner, but in the same breath, we're still pretty early. We're just a year and a half into the Sarkeesian tenure, and he has been tasked with what every Texas coach has been tasked with since Mac Brown left, trying to change culture, trying to get all of these highly touted four and five star kids to buy in and realize it's not just about them. And I'm not saying that there is a culture problem at Texas. I don't believe that to be the case. I believe Texas will put forth its best effort against Kansas State, but in the same breath, there's still a lot of youth on this team, and they're still trying to determine what they are supposed to be under Steve Sarkeesian. And frankly, I I think this Kansas State defense will be up to the task of slowing down B. John Robinson and slowing down Roshan Johnson and I feel like they'll be able to make Quinn Ewers have to be the kid who beats them. And I like the prospect of him throwing into arguably the best secondary in the Big 12. Again, if you want to try to find a weak link in this back end, go ahead. But I I believe in all of those guys, and they've acquitted themselves nicely against very potent passing attacks throughout the course of this season. And I feel like they'll be up to the task in slowing down this Texas offense this coming Saturday. All of that being said, I'm going to take Kansas State to win this one 31 to 20 for all the reasons that I just mentioned. And another variable that I haven't even touched on yet is the crowd. You had a sellout crowd last Saturday, beautiful fall football weather, homecoming festivities, the whole shebang. And and the crowd was into it for all four quarters. It was a great atmosphere, but I think it's going to be kicked up a notch this coming Saturday. You have Harley Day, another sellout crowd expected. Night game at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. But we haven't really had a meaningful November night game in, in a long time. And I I am all too excited to go and watch this one live and in person. 
I think we're going to have one of the better environments in college football this weekend. And frankly, I think it's going to be one of the better atmospheres that we've had at Bill Snyder Family Stadium in, in close to a decade. Thinking back to the 2014 Auburn game, thinking back to some of those games in 2012, the Big 12 championship season. I think you're out, you're going to have a crowd that's turned up to 11 and is certainly going to do its part to help this Wildcats team hopefully collect its seventh win on the season and its fifth Big 12 win. Cannot wait. Six o'clock kick. The game going to be broadcast on Fox Sports 1. For those of you who will not be watching this one at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, you'll be able to listen to Jason Benetti and Brock Hewitt, a great broadcasting duo. You got you dodged the Tim Brando bullet there, Cat fans, so I know there's a lot of people who are going to be all too excited about that aspect of it. But Looking forward to this one, K-Staters. Going to be a great day for football on Saturday. Cannot wait to go to MHK to watch this one. Thank you for listening, for downloading, streaming on whatever your preferred app is. Again, follow us on Twitter if you haven't already at college underscore Kimball. I'm going to go ahead and close this one out the way that I always do. Cats, man. If you know, you know. Let's go get a dub.